0: Hello, this is Todd.
1: Hey, Todd, it's Eric, man. Can you hear me? Hey, Eric. Yeah,
0: can you hear me okay? Yeah, you know what? It sounds pretty good. Welcome to season three of the fucking Rad Snowboard Podcast. Okay, perfect. One second, please. Hi, this Sean. I'm not here right now. You have reached Hi, this is Jim. Leave me a message, and I will call you back as soon as I can. Hi, you've reached Jeremy Jones. Yeah, I'm going to call you
1: back in 10. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> hey, guys. Before I start the show, a little recap from this week's Mount Baker Legendary Bank Slalom. Congrats to Josh Dirksen, who won the Men's Pro Division. And congratulations to Terrier for winning the switch race. Big thanks to Mount Baker and the Howitt family for putting on another bank slalom, which is, as far as I know, the longest-running snowboarding contest started back in the day by Tom Sims himself. So thanks, Tom. And extra special congratulations to Jason Bazarich for winning the Craig Kelly Thunderbird Award. Couldn't have gone to a better dude. This week's guest comes at the recommendation of last week's guest. He's got one of the coolest jobs on the planet, and I got a hold of him by simply calling the Burton 1-800 number and asking to be put through to his desk, where I left a message. And a few days later, I'm on the phone with Todd Coleman. So I hit him with a classic f and snowboard podcast question. Okay, so where were you when you first started snowboarding and what did you start out on?
0: Yeah, so I grew up in Wisconsin. It was 1991-92, that winter of 92. I was at a, a little resort really cool name called Little Switzerland and um yeah so I saw a snowboard my first time I was skiing and, and was like whoa what is that and um actually I knew I knew the person that was riding this sport it was happened to be a K2 I believe it was a Dan Donnelly and um I was like next weekend is there any way I could try it you know and she was like if you bring your boots you know you can you can try it so I brought some boots to wear, and yeah, I just instantly, I mean, fell in love with it. And I just hung up my skis and never went back. And that summer, I ended up buying, because actually, the next time I went, the rental was so good. I got to rent a Burton Craig Kelly Air, 1992. Sick. And then I bought one that summer from a shop in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And, um, yeah, then I was just hooked ever since, you know, I was just, that's all I have wanted to do and still <laughs> kind of want to do. <laughs> Did you do any competition type stuff? No, I never really competed. I mean, I more recently entered like the Mount Baker bank slalom and yeah. some bank slums, but I never, never competed. I, um, i was fortunate and got to go to the 1996 craig kelly snowboard camp that was um really amazing and got to um get to know kelly joe really well craig's ex-wife and then Mm -hmm. um ride with riders such as jason brown noah brandon mike Estes, matt goodwell and that was a really amazing experience had you been
1: other cool places from Wisconsin now, before you went to
0: Black I I perhaps got to go to Colorado once before that as a Thanksgiving, like a bunch of guys jumped in the car and drove out early. Um, but other than that, I never had been anywhere besides Wisconsin. So that was right. really, really eye-opening, you know, experience. Yeah, for sure. Big mountains and, uh, and just a beautiful spot. And, and lots yeah. of
1: cool things to do up at Black Home afterwards, right? So there would have been a lot of skateboarding,
0: mountain biking. Yep. Man, it's beautiful up there. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's awesome. It was still another six years or so before you started working at Burton.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, every year it just just would follow it so much. And I don't know, like that Burton catalog, waiting for it to come in the mail was like... Because I, when I grew up in wisconsin all i could really find was like a trans world and then like the Burton catalog in the mail and then like you know standard films and mac Dog and those were like my main kind of source to and i would just look at them so much and uh just from there after college i um went to Japan and taught English for a year. I rode a little bit over there. I didn't get to go to Hokkaido, but I rode some cool spots there. And then when I got back, I was like, what do I really want to do with my life? And I just, all I could think about is I, I just really want to work at Burton and, you know, work, work with snowboarding. And um, so I applied to Burton and it took about a half a year and I got a seasonal position and customer service. I worked, you know, like on the phones from rider service, dealer service, um, warranty, spare parts, pro form, and the front desk for like a year and a half. Yeah, so it was really great for four years. I um, worked in customer service and just learned so much about how, how the company works. And just, we, yeah, we had a crew um, probably of like 10 or so people in rider service and then dealer service and it's still like that way today when you call the 1-800 number you'll get you know a crew of guides that will you know help answer any questions and whatnot so I was part of that team and um and then I just I got really lucky Jake brought up my name to work in archives and and I um I actually didn't even realize Burton had an archives at the time I was just like what this is insane and um I felt so fortunate and honored. And then now, gosh, it's been 11 years now I've been in archives. Amazing.
1: So I think most listeners will just have had their mind blown, like that there is a position at Burton working in archives. Like, that sounds like a dream.
0: Uh, It's it's really a dream come true for me. Um, You know, we owe a lot to, um, of course, Jake to have the vision to save all the stuff and his wife Donna our CEO and then Emmett Manning um, another co-worker who's been with Burton for like 30 years you know they've saved all the stuff all these years it's just an amazing it's kind of like a company library basically like so when we place an order it's not like every color but it's one of every style mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah. you know so it's like everything it's from like socks to like wax to boards no other company has
1: anything even close to that i'd imagine that's incredible. and it's so
0: cool he saved like all magazines and videos and it's so it's it's not only just burden it's just like snowboarding it's just it's such an amazing um collection that jake has and it's just so cool he had the the vision to to do that you know
1: yeah when i talked to mike jacoby Mike had a a letter that he sent to Jake back in the day saying like, Oh, I was really sad that I broke my performer elite and Jake showed him the letter years later. Said, Yeah, I've got it here. Got it here, dude. It's
0: It's amazing. amazing. It's so it's so cool and it really works out so awesome for I mean, the departments use it all the time i mean like right now they're dialing in 2020 which is just crazy because we're in 18 and like you know 19's all done and they're talking about 2020 and and it's just an amazing resource to have to um inspiration and and just as history has been growing it it works out really great to share our history with exhibits and different things like that
1: yeah it's kind of nice to have a True archived history, as opposed to just the word of mouth that most companies have, right? Because you're talking about gee, since '77, so this is yeah. the 40th year of Burton the company. Yep, yeah. So uh, how could he possibly remember all the stuff? He An does archived.
0: have a really good yeah. memory, though, too. Yeah. Um, like crazy good. It's awesome. <laughs> it's really, um, really impressive.
1: Yeah, that seems to be a character trait. Of some of the bigger
0: business owners that I've met.
1: For okay, so what's the history of the archive? You know, staff.
0: Yeah. So for majority of the years, Emmett Manning. Um, he so he ran the, the store, mm-hmm. the um, like our main store at our headquarters here, and then he would also like put the product away in archives, check it in, and, and organize it. And there was a time where Emmett transitioned into um, sales and um, he's still in sales now. And then Ryan Clary and Max Holzman, they were working a summer in archives. And then my friend Chip Bleakney and I worked in there for a summer with Ryan. And then uh, Chip went on to bindings and Ryan had his full-time gig. And eventually it just grew into like a position, the archivist um, just you know, a full-time year-round position with um, everything from, you know, different history projects to um, helping with like social media, like a throwback Thursday to public tours. I do just kind of different history projects and whatnot. So there's there's definitely, and keeping the warehouse organized is I mean, there's, a there's, there's definitely a full-time job. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff and stuff. So. <laughs> That's amazing.
1: So I, did I hear you <laughs> say public tours? Is there, is there like a tour yeah. schedule? Like people.
0: Yeah. Can, yeah. Can... So Monday through Friday, um, one o'clock and then also Monday, Thursday and Friday at three o'clock as well. I do public tours. And what that entails is we go through our Craig Kelly prototype facility mm-hmm. and, um, It's about an hour to an hour and a half tour. Usually ends up being an hour and a half because we just take our time and like we go through the museum and then we go through our 3D printer world with Doyle, our meta scientist, and then we go through our machine shop. We go through our soft goods lab, um, hard goods lab, the parts department, layup, wet grind, graphics, just like show how the boards are made show how we prototype from bindings to helmets to goggle parts and to like you know the jacket or pant different ideas we'll sew together and you know how we try to pretty much break everything we make as well in the hard goods lab because that's our process to crew to destroy it and Uh, make it better and better and uh just super for always above industry standards so i feel really fortunate to like just show people around there and it's we really it's it's kind of like i mean the doors we just open it wide open we don't really hold back i mean we don't show like 2020 but we don't we don't really like hold back you know it's really open door um, so it's, it's, it's really fun. Really a cool thing. That's it's amazing. Free. <laughs> hey, that's that's yeah. incredible.
1: So have you ever had people from other companies kind of want to do, uh, you ever have yeah. to catch someone and go like, Hey, wait a minute. You should yeah. not be touring yeah. our facility. That's a conflict of interest.
0: Well, one time, uh, just kind of surprised, uh, me, um, one, one person, but, um, but it was, it was super cool. You know, we're, um, if if someone would want to come, we could you know set up ahead of time and you know obviously we're not gonna like show them like the future <laughs> yeah. stuff we're working yeah. on, but you yeah. know, we're you know but we're I would be down to show them around and and show them what we're about you know and it um, there really isn't yeah, anybody else points. on
1: on your level as far as in the snowboard industry goes anyway.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. I think our R&D facility is probably one of the the biggest. Um, It's a 10,000-square-foot facility, and it's just cool to show. um, You know, when people come through, and even people that maybe have never even snowboarded before, and they see a board made by hand, Mm -hmm. because every board's, you know, made by hand, and it's like, um, I I never get tired of watching it. It's just so damn cool to see them lay up each layer and the amount of, you know, kind of blood, sweat, tears that goes into every board. It's, it's a special and soulful place, you know? And yeah, yeah. That's I know fun. like Craig would be proud. I, Doyle and JG and the, the guys that knew Craig really well, they always, they'll say, you know, Craig would probably have just had his own like little work zone there. And he would have been just doing his own thing and, and making all these different things come to life. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's, special place that's very
1: cool what year did they name it in craig's
0: honor or was it
1: always called um
0: it's 2011 is when we opened that particular exact spot Mm -hmm. um which allowed us to expand r&d um we used to have it across town and uh we um moved in into the building right next door so it's it's nice we didn't have we no longer have to drive like 10 15 minutes uh so now Until 2011, it's just you walk across just across the parking lot and can bring the stuff to life.
1: That's amazing. So, uh, how giant is this compound? It sounds like it's a
0: just a big zone. Well, we have about 400 people um, in Burlington working, and then we have the two buildings. One side is more the offices with like marketing, customer service, sales. You know, hard goods, soft goods, finance. HR, legal, you know, everyone, IT, and and then the other side is like Craig's with the more hands-on building the boards, you know, doing the prototyping, you know, sewing the jackets together, prototype ideas and beanies, gloves, you know, just graphic bags. designers, just,
1: everybody, over yeah,
0: there, yeah, yeah, that's so yep, dope. Yep, exactly. Yeah.
1: So yeah, um, when I was thinking of archives, I'm mostly I'm so. Small-minded, and I'm thinking of the boards, right? Like, and I'm like going, okay. Well, there's only, I don't know how many boards Burton would have made. Right. I guess if you go skews and all sizes and all colors, it's got to be thousands at this point. Is that
0: possible? Yeah, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. I and then I don't remember the number offhand. We definitely have a lot of boards. So, like, let's go through a bit of a
1: history of the of the stuff. The BB one what it, yep. which, which is so valuable that people have tried to make counterfeits and sell them on yeah. the
0: market yeah is
1: that what the name details yeah, uh, like
0: bb1 the, one, burton board 1 burton backhill <laughs> yeah. yeah bb2 burton board 2 the backyard um so those those uh started summer of 1979 those first two years are kind of prototyping and then and then production, and for two years, first was the painted ones, um, 79, and then 80 was um, the, like, just kind of the all wood ones, and then from there, 81 is when the boards got wider, and um, that's when we started T-shirts and hats as well. Yeah, and then, you know, it's, it's cool, like, bindings, Jake had them on prototypes right away in the beginning, so he had bindings right away. Um, and then, um, soft goods, like jackets and pants started in 84. Yep. It's pretty cool. Like we still have like his notebooks and his drawings and his journals oh, and like, oh, uh, man. just like, it's cool. He'll like write things He'll be like, you know, sew this cuff in these pants, you know, not for a ski boot, but for a snowboard boot. So, you know, like yeah, making it out of necessity, really, um, there wasn't. I mean, there were ski jackets and pants, but I, you know, there wasn't too much going on for snowboard specific gear. And, um, so making that in 84 and, um, you know, of course bindings like high back is 84 for us. And, um, and is that a fixed high back or those,
1: those were like a one piece?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They were those those white ones with, with the red at the base, the white plastic. Yeah. There. And then. That was almost like a baseless binding, actually. Um, And then, 85, it was like a a base played full high back together.
1: Was that the five-hole pattern at that point?
0: Yeah, yeah. Right off the bat, like the five
1: holes, it was like, okay, we're going to do this. Because that was a standard hole pattern by 89, like industry-wide. You'd probably put a Burton hole pattern on there because that's what's going to fit most bindings kind of conform to that five hole pattern mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. and other companies would try and do their own bindings but you know if you wanted a five hole board was basically industry standard at that time
0: yeah and yeah so, so that five
1: hole yeah. pattern started in 84 did you say holy smokes
0: um let's see i think it would be more like 85 i guess yeah um because we still had like the rubber more bindings um, that were adjustable, regular, goofy, but the um, per, it was more like winter of '85, I think, would be more of the five hole pattern was really starting. Cool. Um, previous to that, it was like more of the neoprene, like um, kind of nautical inspiration, tuck your foot into the binding. And '83 is when we had that heel strap come around the yeah. back. Yeah. So right before the high back the heel strap and that's when a lot of the rope was dropping too because a lot of the early ones had the rope would help you initiate your turns with the side fins and then so as the then you know the heel strap ropes are dropping then high back um 85 five hole patterns performer elite that was the first one that's kind of more more like modern construction Mm -hmm. you know metal edges ptex base for us
1: do you know uh, what was the spark for that with jake was there a moment where he toured a ski factory or where or was it just kind of industry pressure was like we need to make a sandwich construction board as opposed to like a piece of
0: plywood or was he working on prototypes for years be interesting i mean i think you know like that would be you know a great question for jake but i know that he went over there with the family, and they were in Austria and actually ended up living over there for a little bit. And um, they found the factory. This was, they found it in 84. And that's, you know, where over half our boards are made still today. Same um,
1: factory. That's
0: amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's this crazy, awesome story about Jake finding, you know, looking for a factory. And in the middle of the night, um, knocked on one factory door, and the owner had to wake up his daughter to come down and translate. And um, <laughs> I, I think it was like some crazy snowstorm, and like they worked it out. And and it's it's still the same fa- family, you know, still same operation. It's um, today. That's and incredible. So, yeah, so we've been doing that since eighty four. That's a um, wonderful story. Like I think yeah.
1: when I think of Burton, yeah. the, the idea that Jake owns it makes me feel good inside. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, it's oh, not yeah. some company that was like, all right, we can make a bunch of money off snowboarding. It was a guy who was like, I think I could make a life of selling snowboards. And then he did. Yeah, Yeah.
0: It's, it's amazing. I mean, it's, he's still very, very much involved and involved with different new ideas and product feedback. And, um, and, Don- and Donna, his wife, mm-hmm. you know, our CEO and, um, they both live on still, which is about just under an hour away from the office. So we see them, you know, on the weekly basis and, uh, you know, they're both out there riding and Jake's still, tries to shoot for like 100 days a year it's just so cool yeah that's incredible. just the passion is i don't know it's it it feels and it sounds cheesy but it's true it it feels like a family you know it just really does there it's just a special place
1: that's so dope so the boards really change
0: performer comes out in 83 but then the performer elite elite comes out in 85 which is uh you know more modern construction and then the cruiser in 86, which was a, a great board. And then 88, yes. yeah, pretty big one was the air. I mean, real big one. I yeah. mean, air first kicktail, you know, freestyle starting to happen more and more. And then Craig coming over to Burton with the mystery air. Um, there,
1: there is a lot of talk about Burton really crushing it in the race aspect of it because Vermont is such a Hardcore ski race state, right? Mm. So, like, there, yeah, like in those early days, it was kind of like East Coast racers and then West Coast freestyle. So, yeah, Craig coming from the West Coast and joining Ooh. the company. Also, there, I have a feeling like Jake wasn't really focused on like the California, you know, skateboard team style of company, he was just like working on his products uh you know some guys were racing on them and most of the team riders were like his buddies who worked in the factory or just guys who were around or close and were doing well on the race circuit whereas when craig craig came over it it changed i may may be off on that one
0: no no i I think in general you know that's what you know you hear a lot of times i think you know also though like you know like mark Heingeiner and They still did the freestyle as well. Um I think you're correct, you know, in what you say there. It's but I it's not like um it's not like Burton was anti freestyle, though. No, you know, I mean no, there, it's like,
1: there just was like this the hub of the skateboarding industry was right, California. Right. There was a bit of an eclecticness to Tom's focus that didn't mm. include but did at some point include making the best boards. They're like, Yeah, let's make the best boards. But there was a lot, of, a lot more focus on the, on the riders, obviously, from the mm. team that they put together. Tom would go everywhere. Mm. I can't even tell you how many guys have told me, Tom Sims gave me my first board. He saw me snowboarding, and he gave me the board off his feet. He went back to his That's car so awesome. and got a new board. You know what I mean? He just was That's like, cool. I'm going to go out there and get talent. And I think that comes from being in that California lifestyle where you're mm. looking for those great skateboarders. And that next big break with that cool kid that's going to be, you know, your next Tom Sims or your next Stacey Peralta. And it feels like Jake was over on the other side going like, okay, well, we can't ship boards if we don't make production. And we need to make production by September because we need to get the boards there by November. Whereas (laughs) Tom was just going like, ooh, this kid rips. I need to get him on my team. Oh, what about boards? Uh, I don't know. Uh, geez, can't we order them in, in October? From an outsider's perspective, it sounds like, and people say it, boil it down to like, Jake was just business. He knew about business. And Tom mm-hmm. was a little more like, mm-hmm. long blonde hair and really caring about cool, which when you look back mm-hmm. on those pre-86 years, Tom definitely had the cool factor. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. Craig... Came over to Burton. That the image of Burton really blew up into that cool zone.
0: Yeah, and guys like Brushy, Brushy. and you know Jacoby was on the team. Yeah. And, um, Keith Wallace. And then Wallace. soon to be Keith Wallace. And you see absolutely. that guy in contest.
1: He's just a cool looking dude, man. Like yeah. Like archive footage of the Burton team, like Burton Chill, is like yeah, Chill is what is a what a tour de force
0: all like, time. Yeah. Oh yeah. that
1: team is like unbelievable. Yeah. After that, it's just non stop. What's the yeah. next pro model after Craig's? Who gets the who gets the second pro model?
0: Um, that's brushy. Brush, yeah. Okay. But you know, you could argue that Peter Bauer and Gene Nerva, yeah the, the PJ was a pro right. model. Yeah. Um but freestyle side is is brushy. yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so ninety three brushy with the trout and then, um, and then Carrier ninety four mm. with the wooden sword, nice. yeah,
1: killer, yeah.
0: And yeah. then Rippy,
1: Rippy was the was the next guy in that list.
0: Oh, actually, I'm sorry. It because um, of the late model. Well, it's the same time. So it, production ninety six Rippy, and then late model is Gucci. Yeah. So it it'd be it's Rippy Gucci, it Gucci. Then you know. Oh yeah, but. I um I want to make sure I say Shannon Dunn had the uh, ninety six Dolphin yeah forty four yeah so yeah Shannon ninety six um with with Rippy, it, Victoria Jeluce, Carabeth Burnside, then comes Johan
1: and those are again yeah. just the team is so stacked at that point. T- Yo, yeah, that's that's the tipping so point cool. really. Is Burton? Yeah, when you look everybody.
0: at the the opening page of the catalog of riders and it's like full page long. It's, it's so cool. Yeah.
1: That is such a, that that's my era. I started in 89 and then that's awesome. by 93, I'm out West and yeah, Burton's total domination of the sport happened in those years, 93 to mm. 96 kind of thing. That would have been right about when they went to two years Ahead as far as designing stuff, I remember that was mind blowing yeah. in '95, '96. It didn't make any sense.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. It's still, I still can't believe it how it works today. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, like, it's tough as a rep. I've seen it, I've seen the reps once they see the next year's stuff. You guys must yeah. have to hide it from them to keep them on this year's
0: and keep them hyped on, on what they're selling. Yeah, it's hard once. Once you see the, the, the future stuff, <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> that's all you can think of. <laughs> I know. I can't yeah. talking about the future like that. It's insane.
1: <laughs> so uh, when does Burton first introduce a step-in? Is that around 96, 95, 96?
0: Yeah, I think it's around uh, 96, 97, yep. right in there. I um, mean, you, you know, there was step-in, so to speak, Prior through, like, racing side, you know, like, with oh, yeah. the hard boots, like, stepping in, but, um, as far as, like, what you're thinking, the freestyle, um, about, about 96, 97, right in there.
1: That sure stopped abruptly, hey?
0: I think the problem was always that it really didn't feel like your normal setup, you know, no, you're, you true. were compromising your ride your comfort your you know for convenience and that was the main goals of step on coming out as you know comfort and convenience of course still but having it ride like your normal setup pretty yeah. much you're yeah. not you don't have like a metal plate under your foot in the boots you don't have like it's pretty much your normal boot it's just like got the cleat on the back and the backstay but in general it's they're pretty pretty much your normal boots.
1: Yeah, my buddy Steve the rep out here, he's he's been rocking them all year. The boots look really good. Yeah. Okay, so we got all the way to Johan's pro model. At that point how many pro models come out in the that's the 90 was that the 97 Nin-
0: 98, 98 is 98. Johan. 98 yeah. is
1: Johan by 99, how many professional models is Burden making?
0: 99? Um, let's see. So, Rippy, you know, you could almost say the the Balance series is kind of a pro model, but that's kind of arguable. I mean, it's definitely Terrier series, you know? Yes. So, yeah. The Balance was happening. Um, let's see. Johan, um... Johann, um Victoria, I think, had the freedom. I think still. Yeah. Um, the I believe '99 was the element. Of Dunn's,
1: yeah.
0: Um, right before the feel good, which was 2000, and um,
1: that seems like a smart uh, way to do uh, it. Yeah. To name the series yeah. something like you know like the ballads, or even the custom.
0: Yeah, like, it started to transition into um, to series. Yeah. 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 yeah, the balance, the custom, the feel good stuff like that.
1: Does Does Burton still produce a race board at this point? Like now,adays? No, we don't. Um,
0: I mean, when, when um, did that
1: phase out? What would What would the last race board? Would that have been
0: the last? The last one was, I believe, in two thousand and four. It was a Japan only called the R seventeen Addicted. Um, right. So, yeah, but in general, it was it was those late 90s where it really phased out, I would say. Yeah. I would say right around, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah
1: post-98 Olympics, but also just, yeah, like, it's like, are we going to be into racing, or are we, if you had to have a full race line on top of right. everything else... It's so many more <laughs> skews and so much more research oh, yeah. development
0: for what? Like, how well, many
1: people are you servicing with those? You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's still just like like when Craig like you know was saying freestyle and like the riders are the people that are like in the driver's seat of the company. You know that will, it's rider driven. You know. Yeah. We don't make race boards because you know the demand the riders aren't. Aren't asking for
1: it. Yeah. Do you see the team riders in there working with the engineers designing
0: the Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, like, uh, you know, I see, like, a couple weeks ago, Terrier was um, through, uh, that might have been actually a month now. Time's going fast. But, um, and then, uh, (laughs) let's see, um, you know, Danny's always through, um, Mickle, like, pretty much everyone at least comes through at least once a year. And um, they meet, and they also have rider tables where you know everyone goes to like Jake's house, and so that th- it's not only just that swinging through the office once a year. They they actually get them all together as a group, and they have rider round tables where they go through the entire line and um, make changes, make um, come up with new ideas, all that, and and of course there's that open dialogue always through, you know, through Skype or like, I see Doyle and JG like Skyping with Terrier all the time and like, um, so it's kind of a constant evolution of, um, feedback happening and that really started with Craig, you know, I mean, uh, and that's still, you know, feedback is what is the key, you know, it's what totally. keeps us
1: going in the right direction. So rad. Yeah, The um, you mentioned the notebook thing, having Jake's notebooks. Yeah. Mike yeah, McQuitt talked about that back way in the early days. <laughs> he'd have made some weird modification on his boot or his binding or whatever, and yeah. he'd see Jake, and Jake would be like, what is that for? And he'd say it, <laughs> and then he'd see Jake take out his book, and write it down, and he'd be like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> <laughs> But but he attributed that um, attention to like not just thinking like oh hey that's a good idea I'll I'll remember that like knowing that you need to write the thing down yeah like that's a really really good lesson for anyone that's listening to it that's got a business that depends on good ideas
0: yeah I know like Jake still uses note cards and whatnot I heard him once say in an interview that. He almost doesn't trust someone that writes writes the stuff down, you know, <laughs> so so you gotta make sure I have my note card if I go see him <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: amazing, yeah, so
0: how fun
1: has it been to work there over the years? What have been some of the oh highlights? my gosh, it's
0: um i mean it's just it's just amazing to bring my dog to work on a daily basis um being able to get a season pass for free being able to ride a, a lot and um you know being able to have some flexibility with that you know the ride and then work late get your work done it's 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 work hard play hard I, it's still a trip just to be thanksgiving jake hands out the pies you know you could go down and get your thanksgiving from jake and one by one and um, just the fall bash is pretty epic you know going to jake and donna's house and um being able to bring a guest i mean it's you'll be like standing in their kitchen and you'll be like should i be here is this okay <laughs> like it's, it's so awesome that's how down to earth they are they're just they're just invite everyone into their house and it's it's just the type of people they are they're just really down to earth and modest it's just really it's really a special place to work um it's not corporate at all you know it's yeah the farthest from you know it's like it's uh and in the summer we got we got the bowl the mini to so it's great we can go skate at lunchtime or if you need a little break during the day and um it you have to come visit, really. It's, I'm, a, it's I definitely place. am going to.
1: Season 3 of the FNRAD Snowboarding Podcast is supported by the Boardroom Snowboard Shop, a Vancouver-based retailer that kicks ass at selling all things snowboarding. You can save 5% off all sale items by using the offer code FNRAD5 at checkout when you shop at boardroomshop.com. Support also comes from Wired Snowboards, makers of fine handcrafted snowboards right here in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Rob Dow has been designing boards since 91, so he knows his shit. He's created three shapes that showcase his talent for designing boards, and they all ride amazingly. Wired snowboards are made from the best materials, and if you're feeling like having a -a one-of-a-kind board, you can customize your graphics, shapes, and materials even. Buy a quality handmade board and save 10% off at checkout with offer code FNRAD. Now back to the show, where TK and I dig into what it's like to meet Jake Carpenter, the man behind Burton Snowboards.
0: It's got, so it's cool. Yeah, when you meet him, he, he's just, you know, hey, did you ride today? Like, how was the turns, you know? Like, yeah. You know, how's your dog doing, you know? it's It's a big company, but it sure doesn't feel like that, you know?
1: How could you... Start a snowboard business, and not think about snowboarding.
0: You know how it is when you—it's the greatest icebreaker in the world. You ride with someone, and you're like, you feel like you've known them you know, yeah. for like ten years. You're yeah. like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but there's something amazing about riding. And well, you know what I'm trying to say. Just, I hear you,
1: dude. Just
0: that—that that bond, you know. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's easy to make a really good friend on the chairlift. Yeah. People yeah. often talk about that, how the brotherhood of yeah. snowboarding was, like... And some people miss it, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it used mm-hmm. to be you see another snowboarder at a resort, and you are instant friends. But yeah. that's never gone away. Go on a trip no, at no. any point. Go on a trip and go ride in a park somewhere, and people will talk to you. And you'll... You know what I mean? Like... You,
0: it's, oh, yeah. And it's, it's not still just alive on the hill. Alive, yeah. Sure. yeah,
1: you ride up the chairlift and you're like, oh, we're, we're looking for a place to stay. And they're like, oh, cool, come stay at my place.
0: It's a special culture. Well,
1: I think that we've got a great episode there, dude. That was a lot of fun
0: talking Sweet. to you. And, Thanks. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you, too, Eric. It's a uh, an honor oh, uh, thank on. you for asking me <laughs>
1: seriously <laughs> I, I mean I, it it's cool oh, that's super cool to hear that man and yeah for sure I'm gonna come and visit you guys at some point and I'll see you on that do tour. it man do uh, it Yeah. big thanks to Todd Coleman for interviewing with me f and red. shout outs this week to Bass Rankwit Tom Bird Rob Morrow JG Brian Hartman Russell Winfield, Travis, and Mark from the Boardroom Snowboard Shop. It was rad to see you guys down at the bank slalom. I'm off to Montreal next week to visit my daughter at university for reading week. Obviously, you like snowboarding podcasts. You're listening right to the end of this one. So I'm going to recommend the Looking Sideways podcast this week's was david benedict and i gotta tell you it's one of my favorite snowboarding interviews i've ever heard david sounds like such a fucking passionate snowboarder even though the format's almost exactly the same as our podcast there's room for a zillion of us so go check it out and then (laughs) be sure to come back next week for another episode of the avonrad snowboarding podcast brought to you by bike room productions (laughs)
0: that's the first thing we gotta do we gotta snowboard together (laughs) that's it dude for sure todd well thanks again man